Well, morning, everyone. Happy New Year. And um, as I said earlier on, we are starting a new series this morning. And this series will take us all the way to Easter, all the way to Easter. Can you believe it? All the way to Easter. We've only just finished with Christmas. We're going all the way to Easter. And this series is a journey through John's Gospel. And what we want to be doing is just spending some quality time lingering, kind of marinating, if you will, in the life and in the ministry uh, and the teaching of Jesus over this, this period of time. Um, Our Highgrove, our vision is to continually reproduce the life of Jesus. And we do that by helping people find Jesus, to to love one another, to follow Jesus and to serve the world. Uh, We are here at Highgrove, we are a Jesus church. We are a church, we're a community of people who we we gather around, around the teaching and the life of of Jesus. We we want Jesus to be at the centre and we want to look to him for our example of how to live and how to love how to welcome, how to forgive, how to serve, how to prioritise in life, how to pray. And we're calling this uh, series The Jesus You Need to Know, The Jesus You Need to Know. And what we really hope in this uh, journey towards Easter is that it will help reveal more of Jesus to every single one of us. It will help reveal more of him to not only to us, but also the people we invite along on uh, a Sunday morning here. Now, it might be that you're thinking, Oh, actually, I'm not sure that I I know Jesus. It might be that you've been invited along here. Maybe you've stumbled upon us uh, online today. And and actually, you're completely new to all this. Well, here at Highgrove, what we want to do is help people and help you find faith in Jesus. We want to help you find the Jesus that we believe you need to know. And as I've been praying for, for us as a church at the start of this new year, and, and particularly thinking about this, this new series, I, I feel really excited. I feel really dis- excited that we're going to discover anew uh, something of the kind of the wonder of the good news of Jesus. Because the thing is, you, you never graduate from the gospel. The, the good news is never old news. Each one of us needs to have a fresh encounter with the grace and the forgiveness and the love and the leading of Jesus in our lives. But, but even more than that, I, I kind of get this sense as a church, one of the things that God wants to do is to, to help us to realise afresh that we're called not just to be blessed by the ministry of Jesus as we read, not just to be blessed by Jesus and all he does, but to join in with the ministry of Jesus that we'd all be stirred over this period of time, that the Jesus you need to know is the Jesus that others need to, to know too. The Jesus you need to know doesn't just give us freedom and love and forgiveness and peace. He also gives us purpose. He gives us a mission. He gives us a role in helping others to know him too. And that's part of what it is to be continually reproducing the life of Jesus. And, you know, we've heard earlier on, that's exactly what Alpha is all about. We've already heard, you know, it's one of the key ways that we can join in with the ministry of Jesus at the start of this year. And my hope is that every single one of us will be involved in some way, whether that's in serving, whether that's inviting, whether that's in praying for um, Alpha. So I I hope that you'll enjoy this journey uh, with us uh, through John's Gospel. There is a link on the screen and a QR code. And and on this this page of the website, there's a whole load of kind of resources that go um, alongside this series. Uh, Different ways you can can engage. Uh, We'll circulate this link later on too if you don't get a chance to, to grab it now. But... You know, over this period of time, some of our small groups will be studying John's gospel throughout this whole term. 
Uh, but we're also inviting you to read along uh, with us. O on that page is a link to an online reading plan that gives daily readings, just a few verses of John each day. And it, you can kind of, well, you could potentially start tomorrow and it'd be 64 days going through reading through John's gospel, which takes you kind of halfway through March, but that's close enough. That's fine. Um, Actually, if you prefer something on, on paper, we've got some amazing, wonderful paper bookmarks that you could stick in your Bible that just outline the, the daily uh, reading uh, plan through, through John. So do grab one of those. They're out in the foyer on your way out. And then a few years ago, we had a Bible school session here at Highgrove. We, we called it, How Can We Be Good Readers of John's Gospel? And that was led by Jamie Davies, uh, who uh, is a, a New Testament lecturer at, at Trinity College. And it was an excellent overview of the John's Gospel. We've got an audio recording of it. And, and actually, that's also on that, that link there that you can have a little look at. And I just highly recommend that, uh, that session. It was really, really helpful. Because John is a fantastic book. Of, of the four Gospels in the New Testament, John is, is, is a little bit different in its style and content to the rest. In fact, around 90% of the content of John is, is unique to John. Um, it, it's a book that has a, a really interesting structure. It's got these seven miracles sort of going throughout it, or actually John calls them signs. And each one of these signs is followed by some kind of discussion between Jesus and other people, really revealing more of who he is. And John, as he writes this gospel, he's really, really focused on key messages and themes. He's really focused on every, including everything for a reason uh, that might support his overall goal in writing, which is this. He says it in John 20, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by, by believing, you may have life in his name. So I just want to encourage you to check out that Bible school recording and just that fuller overview of John's gospel that was going to really help us over this period of time towards Easter get to grips. So we're going to kick off with, with chapter 2. Um, and uh, this is where I'm going to come back to our question from earlier on. How many people have been to a wedding that's particularly memorable? Go stick your hand up if you, you think of a wedding that's been particularly memorable. It, it might be, you know, like kind of a wedding that really stands out. Uh, it might have been your own wedding. It might have been, because sometimes they stand out. Um, it might have been someone in your family. But what I'm really interested to know is how many people here, when they're thinking about a wedding that was memorable, it was memorable because something went a bit wrong. On, I would love to spend the rest of our morning hearing the stories of, of the weddings that went wrong. Now, again, it might have been your own wedding. It might have been your own wedding. That's what makes it memorable. Um, you know, I, I remember... Uh, years and years ago, I was leading worship at a wedding at a Woody's, and it was the hottest day of the year. It was the end of June. It was absolutely baking hot, and you got all these people in their kind of finest, hottest uh, wedding gear. Uh, and I was leading worship, and we were just waiting for the bride to arrive. And we were waiting for the bride to arrive. And we were waiting for the bride to arrive. And and, and actually, it turned out that the bridal party, who had come from a different country, were driving round central Bristol, trying to find their way to Woody's, trying to find where on earth we were. Days before Satnav, trying to find where we're going. And you got all these people in church waiting for an hour until. And I just remember seeing this guy, seeing this guy who took off his jacket. And his shirt was just like, it's like someone had poured water over him, honestly. It was just unbelievable. That, that, sadly, that is what I remember most about that <laughs> wedding. I, I don't know. Um, Dave Mitchell is here with us uh, in a couple of weeks' time. And I just want to give you a bit of a challenge. Ask Dave the number of times that he has led a wedding and said the wrong names. It's, it's actually more than once, I think. I think. So, 
spreading vicious rumours. You know, as we, um, as we dive into John chapter 2, we, we read of a wedding that was particularly eventful behind the scenes. And uh, we're just going to read that together. If you've got a Bible, uh, read along or it'll be on the screens as well. Starting at verse 1. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 80 to 120 litres. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called to the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Now, I think probably we should have called this series really the Jesus who is full of surprises. Because I, I, that's the kind of feel you get from this passage. That, that there's tons of stuff in that I find really surprising. It seems really surprising that the first recorded miracle of Jesus was not in a synagogue. Uh, it wasn't kind of part of an open-air sermon. It wasn't even in the midst of a, a suffering, grieving family, longing for Jesus to intervene in the midst of a, a tragic death of a young child. It was at a party. It was at a party in the midst of a wedding reception. Lots of family, lots of friends, lots of the, the local community there. It doesn't even seem that Jesus was preaching at this wedding. It doesn't seem like he was one of the readers or, or, or one of the welcomers. He's described as, as an invited guest at the wedding. And at that time in, in that culture, you know, wedding feasts were a huge deal. They, they lasted about a week. Now, I don't know if they had kind of seating plans and fancy wedding things and you know, really crude best man speeches and all that kind of stuff. But, but they were times of great rejoicing and celebration like they are for us, where, where people drank, where people danced, where people laughed, where people had loads and loads of fun. But to some people, and maybe for you, it may be surprising to even think that, that Jesus accepted an invitation to a party. You know, some might imagine Jesus standing at the sidelines with his arms crossed, looking a bit holy and serious and a bit disapproving of, of, of all that's going on. But, you know, I don't think that's consistent with what we read about Jesus in the New Testament. We read that, we see all the way through that Jesus was a, a highly relational person. He seemed to love hanging out with people, and especially people who weren't his friends and people uh, uh, who, who were as well. But I also find it fairly surprising that this, that this miracle, this kind of first, this first chance to kind of, for Jesus to kind of show who he is, it, it kind of seems to be a solution to a fairly non-critical problem. Now, now, don't get me wrong, you know, you really wouldn't want the shame and the embarrassment of running out of wine at a wedding, particularly in that culture more than, more than in ours. But, but, you know, this wasn't exactly life and death, was it? It was, it was wine at a wedding. 
And isn't it so encouraging for us? As we head into 2024, that, that as we pray, as we bring our needs and our desires to him, that our, our relational and our compassionate God, he, he cares about our non-critical needs as well as our really important ones. And then I think it's extraordinary that as we read this passage, we read not only about this surprising provision of this wine, but, but also the surprising abundance of it. Jesus doesn't only just provide wine that kind of meets the need. He provides wine in, in plentiful amounts. He provides this wine of really, really high quality. And if you do the maths, it's about the equivalent of 600 bottles of the finest wine you can imagine. That's a, that's a lot of wine. That's, a, that's abundant provision, isn't it? Now, I think we should absolutely take this story at face value. I think we should read it as an event that actually happened. An event that was actually an incredible blessing to those who were present. That, that actually what Jesus did here was he breathed fresh life into this wedding party even if most of the people there didn't really kind of realize it happened. I think it does speak of Jesus being fun and caring. It speaks of Jesus being compassionate and, and interested in the needs and concerns of everyday life and uh, you know, not, not holding back in pouring out his blessings in really unexpected ways. It speaks of, of Jesus wanting to bring his presence and power into our everyday, not just on a, a Sunday uh, gathering, but bringing his power and his presence into our social occasions, into our family celebrations, into our homes, into our neighborhoods, into our workplaces. And, and that's so encouraging and something to really look forward to in 2024. But just at the end of this passage, John says this. He says, what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. This miracle is the first of, of seven signs that John includes. And I think it's really interesting that John calls these signs rather than miracles. A, a miracle simply kind of describes something really amazing happening. Like, like this, it was really amazing. But it kind of happens in the moment a sign, we think of a sign as something that points towards something. A sign is something that, that points forward. It's something that gives an indication of something deeper and more significant that is to come. And so, what is it that Jesus is pointing to? Well, the, the empty jars that Jesus is asked to fill, that they're described in this passage as ceremonial washing jars. An Old Testament law required that, that the Israelites, you know, regularly, uh, you know, wash themselves to, uh, to, particularly before they ate, to kind of, to rid themselves of the kind of unclean influences of, um, uh, of the kind of world around them before they, before they ate. And this, this whole process was quite a laborious and, and a kind of a real burden to, to them, along with many kind of other laws and regulations that they were following. And I think what Jesus is doing by contrasting the, the, the emptiness of these jars with the, the bountiful, amazing wine that resulted after this miracle is that actually he's pointing towards the whole reason why he is there, the whole reason why he came. To bring in a, a new reality, to bring in a new era, to bring in a new kingdom, to bring in what we quite often call a new covenant. That, that word covenant is, 
It's often used in the Bible to describe a promise, an agreement, if you like, between God and between humankind. The old covenant, um, as you might know, the old covenant was actually principally about keeping the requirements of Old Testament law. That, and actually the, the blessing and the protection of God depended on these rules and these regulations. But in this miracle, if, if the water used for ceremonial washing was, it was representative of the old covenant, then this rich wine that Jesus provided was this symbol of, of the blood of Jesus, signifying the new covenant, this new era, a new promise, a new agreement that, that salvation and blessing for humankind was no longer about religious rule-keeping, but about faith in Jesus, faith in Christ, whose death, whose blood would pay the price for our sins once for all. And the wine that that Jesus so abundantly provides here, I I think it also speaks for us of the the new wine of the Holy Spirit, the the joy and the fullness of life that he wants to pour into our lives. It speaks of rich flavour and fragrance that that comes with following Jesus compared with the, the emptiness and the dreariness of life without Jesus. As Jesus says later on in in John's Gospel, he says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. And of course, if you're kind of someone who reads the Bible a fair bit, then then something of this this story as well will give you a bit of a, a sneak preview, if you like, to the ultimate wedding celebration that we read of in Scripture, the, the, the one that the prophets talk about, the one that we read of later in the book of Revelation, also written by John, the, the wedding feast of the Lamb, where, where Jesus, the Lamb of God, comes for his bride, his church, to be in that eternal, uh, unending, unbreakable, abundant relationship. It will be the biggest wedding party we've ever been to, the most memorable party will ever have seen and uh, I think it's a real encouragement for us here at Highgrove to be thinking about this uh, this sign this miracle this water into wine this transformation into blessing abundance Uh, and uh, and so something ordinary transformed into something extraordinary acting as a sign pointing towards something deeper and more significant than simply kind of sorting out a little problem with the drinks at a wedding. It's a pointing towards the message of the gospel. It's pointing towards the transformation that Jesus brings when he touches our lives and transforms us into new creations, the the old passing away and the new coming. But here's the thing, the the transformation that we see through the gospel, it's, uh, as we read the Bible, it's a bit of a tension, but it's not a one and done thing. You know, it's a lifetime process. We, we read in scripture of us being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory. Kind of an ongoing process. And each day we've got that opportunity to see the ordinary of our lives transformed into something extraordinary because of the love of Jesus, because of the abundance that he brings. And just as we, uh, as we come sort of back into to worship this morning... Um, I, I think that for us, I, I believe that God wants to give us an invitation at the start of this new year, an invitation into the, the abundance of Jesus, an invitation to realise afresh and anew the message of the gospel, to let that impact our lives as we respond to him. It's an invitation to encounter again the, the Jesus that we need to know, the, the Jesus who brings that surprising abundance, who brings joy and life to the full. Just this week, uh, Matt Crossman was just sharing with the, the team that he, 
just been praying for the Woodlands Church family for 2024 and just asking God, God, what do you want to say to us as a church uh, family? And he felt that, that God gave a little word for actually the whole of the Woodlands Church family, but also for us here at Highgrove. That, and he felt the, the word, the, the phrase, give ear and listen to me. Give ear and listen to me. That's a phrase from Isaiah 55. Just read that. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. And I think Matt just sensed, I'll put words in his mouth, sense that, that God is, is encouraging us to spend more time listening to him this year. And that's listening to him privately by ourselves, but listening to him as a church family, listening to the voice of God. And, and as Matt shared that, I, I kind of sensed that that was really significant. I sensed that that really resonated with what God wants to say to us this morning. That, and as I was reading this, this John passage again throughout the week, the verse 5 really jumped out to me, where, where Jesus' mother Mary, he, he, she, she says to the servants, do whatever he tells you, do whatever he tells you. And, and you know what, what is happening just before this miracle of abundance? It was listening to Jesus. It was listening out for his guidance, his instruction. It was trusting in the plans of Jesus. And it might be for us at the start of this new year, and especially at next Sunday as we start prayer week, uh, it might be one thing that, that would be really great for us to be doing, both individually and also as a church family, is to be listening out for the voice and the guidance and the instruction of Jesus. Listen to the one who, who wants to bring about abundance, to bring the richest of fare, who wants to bring a richness in life, the one who wants to bring the, the bountiful new wine of the Holy Spirit into our life, for, to renew again the wonder of the gospel uh, in our lives, to recognise that he is the Jesus that we need to know even more and more and more each day. So... Um, I'm going to pray for us, and I, I just invite you to stand with me. If you're physically able to, just stand with me. I'm going to invite Tom and the team to, to be ready as we, we come back into worship. But uh, I just want to very simply um, pray for us all, uh, just in this moment here, standing at the start of 2024, and just to ask that we would, again, be filled with the Holy Spirit. One of the, the, the key roles of the Holy Spirit is to reveal Jesus to us. And so... What we want to do is just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal more of Jesus to us in this season, in this series, through this journey that we're going on towards Easter, that, that Jesus, would you become more real and more kind of live to me, more kind of vibrant in my life, that I might see more of the abundance of all that you want to do uh, in and through my life in this season. So um, hey, it's, it's just simply an invitation this morning to receive this prayer if you'd like to. If, if one, of the, one of the signals that we receive from the Holy Spirit, is, or we want to receive from the Holy Spirit, it's just very simply sometimes to, to stick an arm or two out in front of us. It's just a bit like when we receive a present. We, we just kind of, we, 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 we stick our arms out and we receive what, what somebody's going to be giving to us. And so it's just a little outward sign of, of our inward attitude. And so we pray. Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. I want to thank you for this story that we've read. And we thank you for what it speaks of your power and your presence, your abundance, uh, coming right into our everyday lives and situations, that the new wine of the Spirit 
the gospel is not just for a Sunday experience, but for our Mondays and our Tuesdays and our Wednesdays and all, all the way through the week. Do you want to be involved in our everyday? But Lord, I pray this morning. I pray for anybody who maybe at the start of this year, they, they kind of almost like the, the bit they most identify with in this story is the emptiness of the jars. What they most identify with is the kind of the, the staleness and the, 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 the kind of the orderliness of, of what's going on. And yet they, there's kind of something that can be tasted of, of a more. There's something to be tasted of the new wine of the Spirit. And Lord, I pray too that we might be those people, your church, who listen to you. We, we listen out for your words, for your instructions. That there's something about the listening which happens just before the receiving and the abundance. So I pray now, come Holy Spirit, more of you. More of you in this church. More of you in our lives. Come Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We're going to continue to uh, listen to Jesus and we're going to continue to respond to the work of the Holy Spirit this morning. We're going to do that as we sing songs uh, of worship. We're also going to do that if, if you would this morning appreciate someone praying for you kind of one-on-one. Uh, there'll be just a couple of people at the back by the by the panels who be who would love this morning just to pray for you. Maybe that's just a simple prayer blessing for the new year ahead. Maybe that's something that's particularly on your mind that you would really you really long for God to be breaking into this year. Maybe it's a praying into the kind of emptiness and the ordinariness that you're kind of feeling at the moment. Something of the new wine of the Spirit that might be poured into your life for this year. Um, thank you.